Hello everybody, before we get into episode 6 I'd like to just take this time to thank everybody who has listened to this podcast show This was a lockdown project for me and ultimately it saved my sanity Honestly, in the first month, like many other people, I was absolutely losing my marbles And this gave me an absolutely fantastic focus So thank you to everybody who's listened Today we're going to be chatting with Eleanor from the Edinburgh Larder It's a cafe that's based on Blackfire Street Eleanor, honestly, she was great to interview, getting a really good, deep understanding on how, well, ultimately her wholesome ethics has helped shape her business model. And, you know, she's given so much back to people as well as realise her own business ambitions. Chatting with Z. Welcome, Eleanor. Thank you. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, let's start with uh, a little bit about you and kind of how you got into the food business and kind of where you came from. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, I've had a bit of a kind of weird road of career path. Um, but yeah, I started out studying textile design. Um, and so that kind of gave me quite a creative sort of outlook on things, I think, you know, kind of thinking about how to solve problems. Um, and then I couldn't get a job. I went down to London for a while, couldn't get a job in Edinburgh, which is where I really wanted to be. So I started temping in finance. And I ended up being there for uh, seven years doing like loads of different things. I trained as a project manager, worked in risk and strategy and business planning and all sorts of different things. But it was never where I really wanted to be. It wasn't where my passion was. It gave me an amazing grounding in business though. And um, I thought, right, I really want to set up my own business, but I don't really know what in. And I kind of, I took about a year to sort of really plan it out Um, and I kind of thought there's really not much going on in textiles in Edinburgh. There just isn't, there's not a lot happening and it's just, this is where I want to be. Um, and my family had always just been obsessed with food, like literally can't stop talking about food. <laughs> All right, so you, you kind of grew up and yeah. you know, very passionate about foods. Yeah, absolutely. They just, they're talking about lunch when they're having breakfast oh, and you know, so cool. like my mum makes like loads of jams and stuff and my dad makes chutneys and they've always grown loads of veg and we just cook all the time at home. Um, and I thought, well, you know, that's something that I know, I know a fair bit about and I'm really passionate about. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of what made me think that that was, that was what I wanted to be doing. Um, and I had always kind of really loved the Royal Mile area. It's just a bit of Edinburgh that I've always been like really, really into. Yeah, there's something romantic about it. There really that? is, yeah. And uh, I remember coming here with my dad when I was a little girl and I would look up at like the properties next to the castle, you know, like the wee like ones that look like a little princess palace and they're all like painted red and white. And yeah. I'd be like, oh, I want to live there one day. And he was like, you better get yourself a good job then because <laughs> those are expensive. Yeah, Ramsey Gardens. Man. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, but I think that's what made me kind of think when I was thinking about setting somewhere up in Edinburgh, that was sort of the location that I wanted to be in. And it made me really sad actually walking up and down the Royal Mile that there was like zero representation of what Scottish food is all about. You know, there's lots of... So that was around about 10 and a half years ago? It was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So quite a while ago. But yeah. yeah, It's interesting because it's, I mean, 10 and a half years ago, quite a while ago, but then not, it isn't that long ago really, is it? No, but I think it's kind of long enough that the food scene has changed completely in Edinburgh over that time, which I'm really happy about. Yeah. 
And well, it's a good insight that, you know, knowing that 10 and a half years ago, there wasn't really much happening. There really Whereas wasn't. Between then and now, it's really Yeah, absolutely. It has, which is fantastic. It's yeah. really booming. And so many more places are using, you know, really beautiful Scottish ingredients, which they just weren't at that time. It was mainly kind of Michelin star restaurants, really, that were using those ingredients. But that was, that was because that was your passion at the very beginning stage, wasn't it? It was, yeah. I used to go. It's quite interesting because, so you, 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 you study textiles, you went into the banking world and then your true passion, which is food. Mm-hmm. And because it, it feels like, you know, that from being in the creative world and then the very organized banking world. And would you say you've like merged it into what you're doing today? I think so. Yeah, I think it's good to do that, isn't it? It's kind of good to learn skills wherever you're at and then kind of take them forward into something that you're really passionate about. I do think that um, the creative degree that I did really made me, it did make me think about problems, you know, like walking up the Royal Mound thinking, right, there's, you know, that we talk so much about exports of food in Scotland. There's whiskey and smoked salmon and everyone around the world knows about Scottish food, but people in Scotland at that point in time didn't really, know that much about what you know what was produced here or what was seasonal or you know how hard and incredibly hard the producers that make all the food in Scotland work you know like the farmers that earn next to nothing but really love their craft and you know that's really what I wanted to sort of shout about I could just see that there there was so little representation of that not only for people that live in Scotland but also for people that were visiting from abroad you know you kind of go to all these places around Europe and they just are so good at promoting everything that's going on in their country and there just really wasn't that wasn't happening in the centre of Edinburgh which being the capital city in Scotland just seemed crazy to me it it does it does even listening to you say it right now yeah truth in it so yeah do you feel that there is a lot more of that now there's loads more yeah absolutely there's loads more places and it's amazing you know better and better places opening up all the time and places that I love in Mm -hmm. Edinburgh you know just so many great places now and then the the, the ingredient, well, the produce that you're using in your places, what's the, is it locally sourced produce or how is it you've, you've gone about that? Yeah, we, it is, it's all locally produced, the, the ingredients that we use. Um, and we have, I think, you know, one of the complicated things when we were setting up is so many people were using, um, kind of middle men that would go to yeah. many different producers and kind of provide, you know, next day delivery of whatever you were looking for. And that was the different thing with us is that <clears throat> I went around Scotland and traveled all around Scotland, visiting lots of different farms and talking to, you know, cheese producers and all these different incredible producers and asking them basically if they would supply us directly. And they were like, yeah, we'd love to, you know, most people don't want to do that because it takes uh, quite often a week for us to deliver. We only yeah, deliver. logistically that must've been quite difficult. It was, it really was. And it's more expensive, obviously, as well. But that was the that was the thing that, you know, I was really aiming for was to get those those ingredients that people might never have heard of or didn't know existed, you know, um, right into the middle of Edinburgh. But it's interesting because I had a look at your menu online and your prices are very reasonable. Thank you. <laughs> 
We haven't whacked them up very much over the 10 years that we've been open, I don't think. Um, and we try and keep things simple, you know, because the ingredients are so good. We don't have to do like a massive amount with them, but we've got some amazingly talented people that work with us that really know how to do that, you know, just take take those great ingredients and let them speak for themselves, really. Well, yeah, it was your your head chef. She'd, um, she heard my first podcast with Cheverinos and she got in touch and she was, uh, you know, she was really excited about it. She was saying, you've got to get in touch with Eleanor. Get Eleanor on the show. So I was on it straight away. I, I was already on it, but I was absolutely, I was, I was definitely going to get she's that a great, done. She's a great person, Josie, our head chef. I think, yeah, I, I think that's incredible to have, you know, a member of staff that's really, you know, absolutely excited about, about this idea and about you. And she was really pushing it forward. I thought it was incredible. It is amazing. It's a lovely thing in hospitality to have a really dedicated team of people that just love what they do and they love what we do and well, what our business stands for. But that, I think that's the thing. That's what it, it, it shouts out to me is that um, because you've got you've got a really good connection with your staff. Mm-hmm. I can sense that from that message that I got. And you've got a really good connection with your suppliers. You know where it's coming from. The fact that your menu prices are very reasonable and the amount of effort you go into, I think that's incredible. Thank you. Thank so you. To you. <laughs> so you've got the, the Edinburgh Larder on Blackfire Street and you've got the wee larder next door to it. Yeah, we do. We've got the little larder. Um, so we opened that um, a few years ago with like a couple of things in mind, really. The the big cafe had, um, had kind of got full. So um, it was like insanely busy, especially in the festival. Um, and we just thought it'd be nice to have somewhere else for people to kind of go and hang out um, when it was when it was too busy in the original larder. And we also um, we do a lot of catering for weddings and events and things, and um, just wanted a bit more space for that as well. So we set up the little larder next door, and it's kind of gone through like a variety of different forms in that time. Um, it really was just takeaway to start with, um, and last year we changed it to sitting in. Um, just because a lot of you know a lot of our customers are tourists a lot of the weather in Scotland isn't great and people want somewhere to you know sit in that's comfy and they can hang yeah, out in spike, yeah. um, and now obviously with everything that's gone on <laughs> in the last few months we're like oh no why don't we do that yeah. <laughs> um, so we're gonna have to go back to the sort of takeaway model um, but we're thinking about doing you know we've had some time to think about doing some really nice creative things um, linked to what I did originally in textile design and uh, you know have some lovely craft products for people to kind of come in and look at we've got loads of our staff that work with us who are really creative people as well so um, representing what they do really and uh, and some of the other great craft people in Edinburgh. That's fantastic and then because you guys are currently closed um, there's a fair few places that have opened up for takeaway coffees and foods and so on and so forth. Yeah. How are you feeling about that that idea of being more takeaway and are you taking on the idea of doing deliveries as well or we yeah I think we're gonna have to really because um yeah it's just it's it's a tiny little place that we've got you know we've got these two units but they're both really small um and it's going to be quite difficult to put that sort of social distancing in place and obviously we want to make sure that we're we're doing things safely for the staff and the customers um, so there's quite a bit of planning to go into that and our menu doesn't naturally fall into a delivery, which is why, you know, sort of delivery menu is why we've not done delivery up until now. Um, poached eggs are not the best when they're, <laughs> when they're delivered. Yeah. I think, you know, slop 
hopping about all over the place in a, in a, a takeaway box. Steak. Yeah. <laughs> Arriving cold and like solid. Yeah. yeah. It would not be good. So, and that's, you know, so much of what we do is, is brunch options, including eggs. So, um, we've really had to kind of take time to rethink that. Um, and yeah, Josie is working quite heavily on that at the moment. Um, we definitely will do delivery when we reopen, but we've had to sort of look at our model and change it really to what people are kind of looking for now. So there's still a bit of that to do, you know, we still to go out to customers and kind of ask them what their thoughts are and what they're looking for, which we'll definitely do. But we're planning on opening the little larder towards the end of this month okay. um, towards the end of June. And then uh, the big, the original cafe will come in July um, when we're able to do that. Absolutely. You know, I'm speaking to uh, loads of people about this and uh, everybody's really, you know, they're very eager to support their local businesses. Mm. Um, but on the flip side, we can also see that uh, McDonald's have opened up the drive through the drive throughs I don't know if you've seen this, but their queues are absolutely astronomical. Yeah. People are even making pretend cars to sit in the queue to get their McDonald's fix. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so you're thinking the end of this month, uh, which is awesome. I can't wait because I can't wait to have a little bit of a buzz back in town because, mm. you know, the, the Royal Mile and the Old Town is very, very, very quiet. It's so now. weird, isn't it's, it? Yeah, absolutely. It's... I mean, I, I, there's a lot I like about it, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I am looking forward to a bit of life coming back. Well, that's the thing, I think, is that I would love to see that. I would love to see loads more people that live in Edinburgh come into the Royal Mile and just exploring while yeah. it's really quiet, you yeah. know, because it's just, it's so packed normally at this time of year and that just gears up and gears up up towards the festival and you literally can't really walk you know mm. anymore in August so it'd be really nice for people to kind of come up and explore it's quite often somewhere that like people say to me oh don't go don't go to that location that often um but it, yeah it would be really lovely to to have people doing yeah, that yeah, absolutely, at this just time to, yeah just to have people kicking about um, it's so it is it's such a beautiful area so you're thinking um it will obviously being socially distanced very difficult so the idea of takeout and then deliveries. Are you looking at the delivery option or Uber Eats or whatever it may be? I think we're probably going to do it in-house. We definitely will offer delivery, but um, quite a few of the guys that work with us know people that do deliveries. Right. So I think we're going to we're gonna try and start it out that way and see how it goes. Yeah, I think, and I so. think um, Yeah. Well, the, the, the first podcast that we put out with Chivarino's, um, the, one of the, the big things, uh, the feedback on that was that people realising that delivery would take 30%, which is an incredible amount. It is huge. And, yeah. Um, um, and the, the takeaway from that podcast was that um, Kelly was saying, set up, you know, if you can set up your own first and then have uh, something like delivery as a top up. Yeah. So well, if you get your own set up first, then absolutely, completely and utterly. I think listening to that interview really solidified it for me really as somebody that kind of really knows that market um it really yeah it made me think it's it's much better for us to do it in house if we can Aye. you don't want somebody permanently working for you that's doing that but I think if we're opening sort of fairly short hours to start with and it's the busy kind of window of the day then I think it's it's a good way to go you know, your your ingredients are more expensive so mm-hmm. your um your margins are a lot less mm-hmm. than what you know, a typical cafe would be or. That's true. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. 
So fair play to you. I'm, I'm actually you. I'm genuinely really impressed because uh, the, I know I've said it's probably the third time now, but the, the, the prices on the menu are really good. <laughs> I'm glad you say that because I think to start with, there was nothing like what we were doing around the Royal Mile and people would come in and kind of go, that's a lot for a bacon sandwich. And yeah. we were like, yeah, but you've never tried bacon like this before. <laughs> that was, you know, part of the purpose of the larder was to say you can take these ingredients and do things for a reasonable price. And we wanted to offer it to as many people as possible. You know, we didn't want to exclude anyone um, and I think we're going to come on to talk about the social enterprise but I, actually I think that's kind of where that rose from yeah, was that, that idea, yeah. I thought it was so important that people from Scotland were able to eat Scottish produce you know and it was really unfair that some people felt that they couldn't afford to do that who actually lived here you know I just um, I thought that that was that was not it was not on really. So, which is interesting because this we'll come back to this because this is already telling me this isn't just a business for you. No, this is this uh, this is a lot deeper. Yeah. So we'll we'll, we'll get into that. The, the other thing I wanted to ask you about was because um, you, you'd opened up a, a restaurant in the West End. Yeah, I think after running the the cafe, the Larder Cafe, for a few years, I kind of thought we need to grow this somehow. You know, we need to take it to a bigger audience, and I thought that the natural way to do that was a restaurant. Um, where we could use ingredients that we weren't really able to use in the cafe because they were too cost, you know, restrictive. They were too expensive. Things like um, game and foraged herbs and, you know, all of that kind of thing. Just thought um, we'd be able to use a lot, a lot broader kind of range of ingredients in a restaurant. So, um, yeah, I opened um, the Bistro in 2012, I think it was. Um, and yeah, it was, it was amazing. It was a beautiful unit. Um, it had been Howie's before and Boozy Rouge before that. So, you know, it was like a well kind of trodden bit of turf, but I think it had not been, it had not been treated very well before we got there. So it was a complete wreck. Um, so yeah, we took it over and did it up and, um, and opened up and it was great. There was, it was such a magical atmosphere in there in the evening and the food, you know, the produce we were getting in was amazing. Um, but it really did, it did hit me that running a restaurant is just a whole different level of work, really. It's, it just takes over your life completely. I think when you're passionate about something, um, you know, the cafe was closed in the evening and I, I could kind of forget about it. Uh, of course. Whereas yeah. with a restaurant, you just think about it 24 seven. It's like, you know, you've got to fill 60 covers for lunch as well as dinner seven days a week. You know, it's really, it's a huge thing. Um, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And our team there was amazing. Um, but I think after a while, I had just realized that I'd taken on too much. Um, and I, I had agreed in our last year of running the bistro to run the cafe at Whitmere Farm as well. Um, and at that point in time, I had about 65 staff and just a ton of equipment that was going wrong all the time in our kitchens. And I just felt like I was firefighting problems all the time and every single bit of joy had just been taken out of it. You know, I wasn't going to meet the producers anymore. I wasn't going to chat with all of our, you know, customers anymore. I was just running about like were, a bit of a daft day. You were basically just running a business yeah. and that was it, wasn't it? It was and it had taken all of, yeah, all the creativity and all of the personal joy 
joy out of it for me and I thought this is just not it's not working and I also think um, when I had the bistro I I'd thought that it was going to get out to a more kind of broad demographic of people. Um, and when we were when we were running it, we had kids coming in from lots of different schools around Edinburgh wanting to learn about local foods and wanting to train with our chefs. And that just kind of made me think that there was a bigger, bigger thing out there that we could be doing. You know, we could be working with people to to teach them about the food that we were using and. Um, all over Edinburgh really and and it kind of just became apparent that that was that was a bigger thing for me personally I just felt like that was more important um so I sold the restaurant and decided to leave Whitmuir after a year and just go and focus on the social enterprise and the original cafe and I'm so glad that I did that I kind of feel like actually it's taken me a few years to get my head back together (laughs) And get back to normality, but, um, yeah, but it does, it's. I mean, it sounds like it completely took over your life at yeah, that point. Yeah, it Whereas did. Now, well, with, with letting those two go, you got back to basics, back to Edinburgh Larder, and then the uh, the food social as well, where you can just focus on. Yeah, absolutely. And it wasn't like I stopped doing crazy things. You know, I set up a massive market down in Leith to try and, you know, enable people to get access to local ingredients and was still kind of looking for problems that we could solve, you know, to try and um, make make local produce affordable for people. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that always has been like my primary aim really is to um, is to let people know how great Scottish produce is and to try and make it affordable for as many people who live here as possible and for people that are coming from abroad. So I think that's been the kind of common thread through the whole sort of 10-year experience really. Um, but even having the market, I think, it was it was such an incredible thing to have an indoor market, you know, down in Leith um, that we set up in the biscuit factory. Yeah, the biscuit factory, yeah. Um, and it was it was great. It was a really lovely atmosphere in there, and it was it was so nice not to be in Castle Terrace, which we had done quite a number of times with all the other producers there, and a bit of a wind tunnel that was outside, you know. <laughs> and it's an amazing market; it still is. But it was just lovely to have an indoor space to kind of have that representation. Do you still do the indoor market? We don't know. Um, I ran that for about a year as well and then just decided that it was, it was again something that I realised just took up too much time, you know, and there was other, there was other ways of getting out to people um, and teaching people what we were doing without having to have me in a dedicated space constantly. Again, I think it's incredible that you've, uh, again, it's something else that you've tried. You've tried it. And you've realised, okay, I'm not, I'm not comfortable with this. And you've decided to let that go and then move in this direction here. And you've done that a few times. I have. It's probably the project manager in me. That yeah. was one of the things yeah. I trained to do when I was working in finance was be a project manager. Can I see a problem but and it, solve it? But it's valuable it then... because you've done them and you've, yeah. you've, you know, you've done them well. Yeah, thank you. you've moved on. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I kind of feel... And 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 think the original larder because it's been going for ten years, you know, and the social enterprise now has been running for five as well. That those are the kind of things that I think I have felt are really, you know, the the important things that I should be focusing more of my time and attention on getting right. You know, it's admirable that you you can recognise when to stop and move on <laughs> I didn't for a long time I think it took the point of breaking completely for me to realise that <laughs> it's incredible 
<laughs> Edinburgh Food Social. Yeah, I think um, it kind of it started out when we I set up the Larder Cafe, and we realised that quite a few people um, who lived around the back of the cafe had like a little garden sort of space. Um, that they were running really amazingly and they'd had some funding to kind of um, put into uh, and they were all growing these like veg and things back there as well as like lovely flowers and things and it was just a lovely space to kind of hang out and get to know the people that lived all around um, the cafe and they offered us this little plot and said you know we could use it for growing herbs and stuff which we did for quite a few years um, and it was it was really nice to know that it was there you know there was lots of nasturtiums growing there and loads of different herbs that we couldn't necessarily get hold of um, elsewhere um, and it started getting me thinking that there's loads of green spaces around Edinburgh that are used for growing produce um, and just wanting to give people more access to those spaces and to understand how to kind of cook with whatever was growing there. So started um, through the social enterprise developing relationships with those community gardens and um, and also relationships with the schools that were next to them, you know, and tying the schools together with them so they could go and have a look at what was growing in each season um, and we would then go into the schools and teach them how to cook with those ingredients. Um, and I think, yeah, it, it did become apparent talking to the people that were using the community gardens that they just quite often weren't really sure what to do with the veg that were growing there. Um, and it just kind of took on, yeah, this whole kind of... Um, it was, yeah, it just it kind of developed as it, as it went along with kind of what people needed from us, really. Um, we had the kind of skills to teach people and the produce was there already, you know. So it was just about linking people together and, and sharing those skills. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. That's um, you, 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 very impressive because you've got a lot going on and you genuinely are very passionate. I think if you're running a business, that's really, it's definitely what you need, you yeah. know, to keep you going is, yeah. But you're also running a business and you also have a family as well, a young family. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot going on. It is a lot going on. And I think that was one of the things with the bistro is that I had Ava literally as we were opening the doors to the bistro. I'd kind of stupidly thought that I was not going to be able to do what I did after having a baby. I don't know why. I just had this thought in my head and... So I started planning the bistro when I was actually pregnant and kind of thought, I've really got to open this restaurant before I have a baby, <laughs> <laughs> like a total nutcase. And uh, I remember being on the phone to the workman in the bistro on the way into the hospital to have Ava. <laughs> and uh, I think I should have thought at that point, what, what on earth am I doing? And I went back to work after six weeks because I worked with a business partner and she was like, I need you here. Mm -hmm. So I literally had six weeks off maternity leave and oh, okay. um, went back part time and it was just that was a really bad decision I think um it just it just shouldn't really have happened why is that you think I do I just think you need time off after having a baby I think you really do I think it's a huge thing and but I think were you able to do that were you able just to switch off from like in a work mode and let that go and no no I was I think that was part <laughs> of the problem <laughs> Like, fortunately, my mum was heavily involved, you know, and she looked after Ava a lot. And she, she started nursery at like six months, you mm -hmm. know. And um, but I think I think one of the crazy things about the last few months is that it really has made me recognise how little time I spent with my family at that point, you know, and how important that is in your life. And it's really enabled me to spend 
like incredible quality time with Ava that I just didn't have when she was first born. And it's been, you know, I know there's been an awful lot of really horrendous things happening in the last few months, but I think for me personally, actually, it's been a bit of a wake up call. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, I think it has for, for many of us. It's massively valuable because it's like you said earlier on right now, if life was just going on as it normally did, we would be in the old town. It'll be jam packed. Busy, 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 stress, 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 loads of stuff happening. Whereas, you know, a time like this, although there's so much madness going on, we always have to look at the positives and the positives is, is an opportunity to catch up with yourself, your family and so on and so forth. So definitely, definitely yeah, I think our team at this time of year are like, you know, so kind of on the fast paced track of yeah. we're getting towards the festival and it's going to be mental and there's, pe- yeah. you know, people queuing around the block yeah. and it's really starting to kick off. So yeah, I think in some ways it's good for them to have had a bit of downtime and I've chatted to quite a few of them yesterday actually and they're really looking forward to coming back. And, uh, yeah, they're, yeah, yeah, it's great, man. It's going to like energise and get their straight yeah, back into it. And, totally. And it's a different vibe coming into it. Um, actually, moving on to, I actually want to move back a little bit. So coming into lockdown, how did you feel about it with regards to the business? I felt like awful, to be honest. I just... I think for the first couple of weeks, I think a lot of people have said this, that restaurants and the hospitality industry were just left completely hanging, having absolutely no idea what was going on, what was going to happen um, or how financially you could get through things. You know, I was kind of and nobody had said anything specific about anything. So we did carry on until we got told to close. We literally just kept going. Um, and I think, you know, that was an important thing to do because there was still people in the centre of town who were looking for food and they were stuck here effectively, you know. Um, and it was, you know, it was great to have those conversations with people and to be to be there as a kind of resource for people who needed us. Um, but it it was it sent me into turmoil, really, because that announcement was made that we had to close with still no clear guidance on the support that we were going to get. Yeah. Um, and financially, you just kind of go into a little bit of a meltdown thinking, how am I going to cope with this and how are we going to get through it? Um, and it's not like small scale food businesses make very much money. You know, you really do it because you're passionate about it. So we don't have reserves. You know, we haven't got a big bank account full of money. Um, so, yeah, it really threw me. I was kind of like, how are we actually going to get through this? Um and then gradually the government started making announcements in the council about, you know, grants and things that were there to support us and furlough pay. Um, and that all came as a relief. But it's still, you know, it's still now thinking our business model is going to have changed completely. We've no idea, you know, how that's going to work. Um, 90% at least of our customer base generally is tourism. Uh, so, you know, how is how is that going to affect us? People can't travel to Scotland anymore. When are people going to be able to come up from down south? You know, it's just, are people going to come and hunt us out that used to hunt us out when we first opened that, you know, are from Edinburgh? So there's all these like questions running through your head and it's a scary time. But I think, you know, there's elements of excitement to it as well. You know, it's sort of like almost like a new start, really. Um, it is. It's... Um it's like everything you knew has completely stopped mm-hmm. for, I don't know, maybe a couple of years, three, four years before it's kind of back to the, a little bit of, you know, that business we used to have beforehand. Yeah. Um, but then it's what you do with it now. It's the opportunities. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Which is, uh, it is an excitement in itself. 
It is for sure. I think the, the sort of past few months have allowed me an opportunity to get back into being creative and doing what I first did studying textiles and getting back into doing some artwork. And so it never leaves you. <laughs> no, absolutely not. I, I mean, you feel like you've lost a part of yourself actually when you do stop doing that. And I think I'd completely forgotten about that side of myself. And we've had this massive building project going on in our house that just got left kind of half finished. Oh, right, so okay. um, my husband managed to finish, got this little garden room um, and he managed to finish the interior of that so I could set it up as a studio. Um, and I started just getting really back into doing kind of creative things. So um, I think, yeah, one of the things that I I've, have been planning on doing is making Little Larder into something that is much more about crafts and sort of locally crafted gift items, um, including stuff that I've made and things that, you know, people that work with us have made. There's a lot of really talented people on our team who um, do a lot of creative things as well. So um, it's, it's definitely going to morph into something a little bit different, but that that is an exciting thing for sure fantastic fantastic and what do you reckon if if you reckon 90 percent of your trade is tourist trade when do you feel that the tourists are kind of going to start trickling back into um it's really hard to say isn't it because there hasn't been an announcement made um yet from Nicola Sturgeon about when when that can happen and what I do know which is quite amazing is that our cafe is busier in the English school holidays than it is in the Scottish ones not by a long way but it but it is Um, and I think that there will be a lot more people from the whole of the British Isles wanting to travel all over the place really given that we can't really go abroad Um, so yeah I think that that'll be a really interesting time for us I think we'll get a lot of different type of tourism but I really hope that at some point over the summer we're, we're going to be able to invite people in um, from further afield um, but I really hope also that uh, and, I, and I know that this is happening a lot already is that people that live in Edinburgh are really supporting local businesses and yeah, opening back up again yeah, it's I, important. yeah absolutely I've been missing coffee like proper you know really <laughs> nice flat whites um a lot so i'm hoping that other people are gonna have missed that as well and are gonna kind of come and seek us out yeah yeah i hope so and and what are you thinking um marketing wise to reach more local people in edinburgh we have a really amazing facebook following um so definitely that you know social media will will form the basis of it i think um instagram as well we've still got a lot of people that follow us um who are local i think over the years, as the festival has got busier, less and less people in Edinburgh have wanted to come up to the Royal Mile kind of area. But I think that that'll change this year because it's just not going to be nearly as busy as it normally is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just an opportunity for people to kind of explore the area, you know, that that they should be allowed to explore really, but they can't normally. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it will be predominantly social media based, um, our marketing Um and we need to start doing that really soon, actually, to kind of really ask people what they're looking for um, and and to make sure that they're aware that we're kind of changing our, our model a little bit and doing something different. Um, and I think there are still people that, you know, lots of people in Edinburgh who I've spoken to know who we are and know where we are. Um, so I think it's just about getting back out to them and kind of letting them know what we're doing. Absolutely. It's... Um the, the the one common thing with um, uh, shop owners and cafes and restaurants and so on in the old town is, uh, well, not so much restaurants, but uh, people are, are often talking about, you know, they're very eager to open up, but they need a few other businesses to open up to create a reason for people to come into town and create a bit of a buzz. 
It's true. I've been genuinely surprised at how few places have been open. My husband works um, not far from where we are just now, actually works um, in one of the schools in Edinburgh. And he's come in, you know, a few times to meet his team and just said they can't find anywhere to have a coffee. So I think it will be really nice when that happens. But I do think that's absolutely true that, you know, we need to kind of get a, a group of people together for people to kind of know that there's you know a range of places for them to come to when they do come to the old yeah, town it's definitely definitely massively important we're up in um we're up in forest road just now and it's busy up here but it's also a thoroughfare for heading to the meadows when the sun's been out as of recent it has been relatively busy there are a few places that are open around here mm. and I'm, I'm only like you know a minute's walk from the royal mile and it's vastly different. Yeah. Nice buzz up here, one minute down the road, and it's just, it's, it's tumbleweed hidden down the street. It is, it's so bizarre. But I think also the Royal Mile will kind of remain that way because it's mostly um, tourist-focused, like, massively. And if we're not going to see foreign tourists coming in, which is what those shops are really geared towards, um, coming in for a while, the Royal Mile will probably be much the same, but Blackfire Street or... Coburn Street or the side streets, I think, will, uh, I think they'll, they'll create a bit of a buzz. Yeah, I think they will. I think they've got some really interesting places on yeah, them. Um, so yeah, there's, you know, there's a tattoo artist in the cycling shop on Blackfriars Street and, um, you know, there's the salt horse down at the bottom of Blackfriars Street as well. Yeah, so, right, yeah. um, so there's some really interesting places to come, um, for people who live in Edinburgh as well, I think. Um, and Coburn Street has got amazing shops and it always has. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. So it is it's such a lovely place to explore, actually. I quite often get stuck in Blackfriars Street when I'm there, you know, I'm just chatting with the team and getting getting stuck into work. And every now and again, I kind of take myself off and I wander around and I see what's changed. And it's just the most beautiful, colourful vibrant place of the city to be you know I think we often forget about that it's interesting because when lockdown happened <clears throat> I, I was walking down Georgia Fourth Bridge with a friend of mine and uh, this is like a week into lockdown it's completely empty and we're walking down Georgia Fourth Bridge and we both at the same time stopped and looked at the central li- library building mm-hmm. of all the years I've been here and even as a kid I remember going to the library where my sisters were at university and they were studying and whatnot. I'd go and hang out with them. So for all these years, I never, ever, ever did I notice that if you stand back and look at it, it's actually four different buildings or four different designs in one. It's huge. So that and it instantly told us that, you know, when we were walking about the old town, we just got our head down mm-hmm. and we're on our way to somewhere. Uh, whereas during lockdown, we were really taking in the architecture and the scenery and, you know, it was, it was incredible. Totally. It's absolutely incredible. The Fruit Market Gallery did yeah. this thing recently where there's like an app that you kind of walked around with. Yeah, that's and right, they did. It was such an amazing thing, but it just made me realise how little I've appreciated it and kind of walked around and seen the changes that have happened because... When I was on it, I was like, I can't believe I actually work in this area. It made me really proud to be here for a start and to think I need to go exploring more. That's what we need. We need to to understand our our, our grinding a lot more and really appreciate it. Totally. It's amazing. It's just got, and you know, everybody who visits Edinburgh knows that, knows how much history it's got and how many quirky little amazing places there are to wander around. And I think everyone that lives here has maybe forgotten that a bit. I definitely had and I work right in the middle of it. I'm I'm definitely the same. It's uh, my knowledge is not not that that good at all. Absolutely. 
What's uh, what's your thoughts about the the future? Are you thinking? Did you have any plans before lockdown uh, with regard or COVID with regards to expanding or any other projects that you got you were thinking about getting into? I think I definitely thought that I wanted to get back into art and doing creative things. Um, you, you still kind of are because that's the the crafts idea. Yeah, absolutely. I think that has been kind of my main thought is that that it was sort of the plan all along in a way was to set up a business that was kind of, you know, sustainable for me and then get back into into doing that. Um, and it's it's taken a while longer, I think, because I've got caught up in the business and I've loved it so much. It's taken longer than I anticipated for that to happen. But I do, I really want to focus on doing, yeah, the art and craft kind of side of things. I think I'm I'm done now with expanding the business. I think I, you know, I love having it where it is and it being the original larder. I've moved out to Dunbar and everyone keeps asking me when we're opening somewhere out there. So, you know, <laughs> who knows? And a couple of years down the road, that yes, might happen. Absolutely. But um, but for now, the social enterprise is really kind of taken off and doing amazing things. And that's, you know, where I'm I kind of... Yeah, definitely. And setting that up so that um, Steve is able to run it with, you know, we've got, we've taken on a new board of directors who are all amazing people. So we've got a board of directors of 10 now um, this year, which has, you know, increased from three. So, um, and Steve is just doing an amazing job heading everything up with the social enterprise. So it's going into a new kind of phase. And I think I'll be around with that for the next couple of months just to see them through that and then let it kind of take its own course from there really you're quite incredible you know that thank you <laughs> oh, my, i'm absolutely gobsmacked fair play to you i've always wanted to do something food related for me mm-hmm. it's always been a romantic idea but i think we should discuss something sounds good to me sounds exciting Kobe street man <laughs> yeah it's such a beautiful street <laughs> it really is it really is i think the art walk really really made me realize that I just sort of saw so many shops that I'd never seen before and I used to spend quite a lot of time there because when I studied textiles I used to go to like Stills Gallery and you know there was quite a few galleries down there it's just always been a really cool street exactly yeah yeah it's just it's been a very cool street always it has man It's it's gone through so many phases right now it's a wee bit boring maybe we can bring some life back into it sounds good why yeah, not? We should, we should. <laughs> I guess it's the we've had the luxury of the festival every year. It's a given, mm. and you know we, we we just know it's going to be busy. Whereas this is also a good time to take a look at it and think, right? Okay, we're not going to get the festival this year, so we're going to take a backseat, reestablish ourselves, kind of rebuild the foundations a little bit, mm. and if we can get ourselves to a level where our business is still alive and we can still move forward, then by the time the festival is back on, hopefully next year, um, we're in a much better position. I think you're right. And I'm really kind of hoping that Christmas is going to happen in a big way. I really hope that things are back. You mean this year? I really hope. Do I don't know, think Elena, it, I it probably isn't. I was actually, I was thinking about this last night uh, with regards to Christmas and it, I'm, I'm, it's a conflict for, in my head because half of me is like, yeah, you know what? Maybe by then we can really, it can really happen and, you know, we can really make something out of it. But then I was like, mm, it's winter again. Does it, you know, is there a, a second spread and is the virus kicking about? And yeah. What position are we going to be in? Socially distant. And also, you know, people's, um, you know, people's mentality has changed as well. It's, yeah, it is. It's just a complete unknown. Um, 
Yeah, and Christmas actually, to be honest with you, December's never been like a massive thing for us, which mm-hmm. is why I was kind of thinking maybe, you know, maybe that could change, especially if people from here are spending a lot more time here. You know, it's a beautiful place to be in yeah. the winter time. And apparently there's a vaccine coming our way in September, October, but we'll see what happens <laughs> well, with that's that. The thing. I speak to one person and it's like, yeah, there'll be one here in September and then somebody else is like, no, oh, it'll be 18 months away. Yeah. We, the beauty is that we just don't know. When, no. it, when it arrives, it arrives. Absolutely. So yeah, we just need to keep on our feet and keep being creative yeah. and keep finding out 100%. what people want and changing 100%. our offering. And Absolutely. yeah, it's going to be Absolutely. tricky times, but there's no easy time for running a small business. It just, there isn't ever one. So yeah. Yeah, I think it. You know, it's good. It's cool, but it's uh, it's it's the thing is, it's going to be all right. Yeah, it is going to be. All it right. is definitely. There is a lot of awful things that have happened yeah. and probably are still gonna yeah. happen. You know, business I, business it, wise, but um, the you know the knock on effect of even with the the government. I mean, they did that was a punchy number. I remember when they first came out with you know this is uh, we're going to put this much money into the the economy and. I thought you know, it was incredible, but instantly I knew, you know, A, we've got to repay that. So, you know, and for quite a long time. So between taxes and so on, living costs is going to go up. Our lives are going to change um, uh, dramatically. It is what it is. We just have to take it and deal with it. Yeah. But it's, um, I don't think a lot of people thought about the bigger picture of it. No, I it's think. It's going to be tough. No, it is definitely. But I think there's something about that that makes people respond in a more creative way as well. You know, like there's just been so much incredible kind of community spirit going yeah. on. Um, and I, you know, I set up the business originally in the recession. You know, everyone thought I was a complete, well, I probably am a complete nut. What, what better time to set up a business than totally. a recession? That is the really interesting thing about recession. I think particularly in terms of women, apparently it makes them think in more creative ways and um you know and and setting up businesses is something that happens quite frequently so um so I think that there will be a lot more of that you know I think there will be a lot of businesses that are going under but there will be a lot more that are starting as well there'll be a lot of people over the last few months who've had loads of time to think about what they really want from life you know and um I think there'll be some exciting things happening I, I totally agree there's um I've got people coming on um for the show in the next couple of weeks and I'm so excited about it because uh you know there's some of them are people that were in a completely like yourself actually you were in the the financial world and then you entered the 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 food world something completely different and um i had a chat with someone uh, a couple of days ago he was in a totally different world covid happened and then he had a realization and now he's set something up and it's done fantastically well so yeah it's it's incredible man it's uh it's it is a beautiful time yeah. It's a hard time, but it's, it's a, a very time. hard time. But yeah, I think there will be some good things to come out oh, of absolutely. it. And there has been already, oh, for absolutely. sure. Oh, yeah. yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Eleanor, thank you so much for your time. No problem. Chatting with Z. Now, I'm also going to do a shameless plug to help our social media grow somewhat. If you can check us out on Instagram and give us a follow on Chatting with Z. Uh, the other important thing is if you know somebody that would be interested in coming on the show, please give us a message. You can either send us a message on Instagram, chatting with Z, or send an email to zahir at live.co.uk, which is Z-A-H-E-E-R at live.co.uk. That'd be incredible.